0: This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network and I'm your host Mark and welcome to my most punk episode ever. I'm pleased to welcome Phil Marcade of The Senders. They have a new double album out called All Killer No Filler and it chronicles as this episode attempts to do the band's nearly continuous history from 1977 to 2001. But we go even farther back. Phil talks about moving to the US from France when he was a kid and there's a lot of great stories around forming The Senders like why Phil moved from drums to vocals, and how trying not to sound punk made them even more punk. There's also a reason the band chose their name, but it wasn't their first choice. Their first was definitely different, but apparently not unique enough. Phil talks about the very brief period of time when Johnny Thunders was in the band and how he met Wayne Kramer of the MC5. And I float the possibility that the senders influenced Led Zeppelin. Pick up the album wherever you get music, through Bandcamp or streaming, Check out their social media, especially Facebook, and you can support us with a cup of coffee at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety. Buy merch with our logo at performanceanx.threadless.com. And now, ads aside, enjoy our most punk show yet with Phil Marcade of The Senders on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Okay.
2: Hi, this is Phil Marcade from The Senders. The band the Sanders uh, from new york we just had a new double ld ad called all killer no filler and you're on performance anxiety did i say the name of the show okay performance anxiety anxiety it's such a great name you must be mark yes sir you. yes sir how are you great it uh, must be. Where are you? It must be morning for you.
0: It is. I'm in uh, Winchester, Virginia, so I'm uh, about 75 miles west of Washington, D.C.
2: Cool. So. I'm in Italy, it's like uh, mid-afternoon for me, 2 uh, p.m. <laughs> so we
0: can both well, basically be having a cup of, nice cup of coffee right about now. <laughs> I'm
2: still having do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, good morning. Th- well, and good afternoon. What I like to do is is find out a little of the history of my guests, as well as you know what they're up to now. So, I guess the, the where I like to start off normally is to find out what got you into music in the first place. What what music inspired you to pursue it as a career, uh, and, and what were you listening to that really drew you into music?
2: All right, well, I, I grew up in France. I'm French. Uh, I came to the States when I was 17 to spend two months in the summer. I ended up staying 40 years. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> After a few years there, at first I lived in Boston, then I lived in New York. I met a lot of people on the music scene on the beginning of the punk scene and started a band called The Sanders. With a couple of friends I met in New York. first I played drums, then I became the singer and we went on to play for 25 years in uh, from 77 uh, to 2001 so that's my story. <laughs> all right well great having you on thank you <laughs> <laughs> yes, <I am. laughs>
0: so what uh, what drew you to punk because so because the senders were an early early
2: Band in the punk scene. Well, we didn't think we were writing that scene, but we didn't think we were punk at all. We were trying. We were really into 50s rhythm and blues, people like Little Richard, and then all the blues guys like Al Wolf and all that. We were really into that, and we were record collectors and collecting old records. And uh, but we were right in the middle of the punk scene, and. Uh, We were pretty new at playing music, so we tried not to be punk, but the way it turned out, it sounded completely punk. (laughs) And um but (laughs) we didn't do it on purpose. (laughs) Uh we tried not to actually, but we couldn't help it. And so it was kinda like not punk rock, but we called it punk blues. Um was the only difference. And uh, so yeah, we were in the middle and all our friends were people like Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers and Blondie and the Ramones. So we were in that scene, but we were not really influenced by the punk sound, more like by the 50s rock and roll sound. So
0: not trying to be punk actually made you even more punk.
2: In a way, yes, in retrospect. <laughs> <laughs> we were totally, at least we didn't try to join the bandwagon of the punk scene. We tried to avoid it. So I guess it was totally spontaneous and honest because that's just the way we played. So the same way as, in a way, as rockabilly started with uh, guys who play country music trying to copy black rhythm and blues. and. Um, So we tried to copy it, but it came out the best we could, but that's still the way we played.
0: (laughs) So what made you switch from drumming to singing?
2: Everybody was saying the band, the front man, and we were all singing songs, the guitar player, the bass player, me behind the drums, and uh, everybody, including the band members, starting to say, you should stop drumming and just be in front because you have... Good charisma, and we need a frontman. So I thought, all right, I'll try. And uh, being French, I thought it was just completely absurd that I would be the singer because I had a French accent. <laughs> and um, but as soon as I tried, I loved it, and uh, I didn't get booed at this stage, which was encouraging. So <laughs> I I kept doing it for twenty five years.
0: And your voice—you've got that snarl that works so perfectly with punk. So it was a great fit. Hey!
2: Hey! Mm-mm! Hey! hey, hey! I'm gotta see my friends.
0: everybody
1: got to i to see if someone's got something for me, well.
2: Uh, yeah, that was just too many cigarettes. <laughs> maybe, maybe <we'll>
0: <laughs> How did you guys come up with the name The Senders? Is there anything behind that? Any meaning behind it, or was it just a cool sounding name?
2: No, not at all. Actually, we didn't know what to call ourselves. We first called ourselves Yakety Yak, and then <laughs> find out before we did even our first gig, there was already another band called Yakety Yak. Really? So we tried to find another <laughs> band and. Uh, I looked in the phone book and just opened any page, and that name Sender. You know, it was Joe Sender, Bob Sender, and, and I liked it because it was very 50s, you know, like Return to Sender, or Little Richard song uh, where it says, uh, she's a solid Sender. Um, that, and, you know, they, they use that expression a lot. So I thought that was a good name. Everybody liked it, so we, we took that. That's oh, that's really cool. We wanted a name that didn't really mean anything. Somebody would take it like yakety yak.
0: Oh, uh, okay. I'm sorry, I got you. No, no, no. I said that that that's per- That's a great story for for the name of it. It's it's awesome. I, I have really haven't heard anything like that. <laughs> there's there's actually a connection, but it was accidental almost.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, but we have to. We had to have a name, so we, that was the hardest part of anything, just find a name for the band.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How soon after you moved from France to the US were you playing in bands? I mean, was it an immediate?
2: Uh, five years. I came to the States in 72, and I joined the band in, uh, we started in 76. About four years, yeah. Okay.
0: Was it? The, was that the sender? Was the senders your first
2: band? Yes, wow. I played drums in a little band in school, you know, with friends when I was a kid in France. <laughs> but um, that was my first professional band. Yeah.
0: Wow. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors.
1: Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds.
0: Hey, everybody. I've got a great sponsor that I want to talk to you about. For a long time, I wondered if CBD was something that might benefit me, but I had no idea how to find out. I didn't know what products were available, what companies were reputable, and really even what questions to ask to get the answers I needed. That's why I'm so glad I found Pure Spectrum CBD. They helped me discover what CBD could do for me. They were awesome at determining what my needs were, and they helped me find a starting point. I've started with the tincture and the isolate, but there's also gummies, topicals, mints, and a lot more. Pure Spectrum not only has CBD products for wellness, they also have them for fitness and recovery. There's even CBD for your pets. The website has a ton of information and chat options are available. And all their products are third-party tested and the results are available right on their website. So go to purespectrumcbd.com to do your own research. And when you check out Use code ANX for 15% off your order. Check them out on Instagram at Pure Spectrum Hemp and subscribe to their email list for sales, new products, and updates. Pure Spectrum, refined phytocannabinoid wellness products for all lifestyles. Now, okay, so the new album is coming out and it's, it's a, kind of a retrospective from 77 to 2001. Was the band yes. active that entire time or were there times where, where you guys took a hiatus?
2: Well, we stopped a bit in 83 for about six months because our original bass player who I got the band together with, his name is Steve Shedlin, he became completely deaf, first partly, then completely. So he became a teacher of a uh, sign language for deaf kids. And um, wow. so we, we stopped for a little while. We didn't want to continue without him. I made another band called The Backbones. Uh, uh, and then we got an offer to do a, a Chris, to take part of a Christmas record. And uh, the guy who called me, I told him, well, the Sanders don't exist anymore. We don't have a bass player anymore. And he said, well, can you get a replacement and just record that one Christmas song for that compilation? It'd be great. So we did. And we got a new bass player. And we were so happy to play again that we just went on. And that went on from 83 to.
0: 2001 wow oh that is amazing but i think what what kind of blows me away is the fact that the band was active for so long but there's only three full-length albums one mini album which is the seven song super single and then the the christmas release so there's very little actual recorded history of the yeah. band it was that on I mean, did you guys just avoid ma- like major labels, or
2: did you? No, <laughs> well, we didn't exactly avoid it, but we didn't exactly look for it either. Okay, We were so busy playing gigs, and so happy with our following in New York, that months and years went on, and we didn't once thought, hey, we should make a record, you know, and uh, get signed by a record company. Wow. We quickly gave up on that idea, so I'm really happy that, there is no uh, this compilation coming out because indeed we didn't do much recording and we did a lot of demos that never came out, but finally saw the the light of day. And so I'm really glad about that.
0: One of the things that I've really enjoyed about this compilation is that it is, despite you guys not thinking you were punk or trying to be punk and exactly a a perfect example of what punk is, was, in the beginning at least, it, it's not a genre of music like it became in the 90s and all, where, where it, it had a specific sound. It really was more of an attitude with so many different styles of music in it. And that's very evident on this compilation.
2: Thank you. That's very nice. And I totally agree that at the beginning of the punk scene in, in New York, nobody knew what whatever punk was. Everybody very different uh the only thing they had in common in all this band was a couple of details like short hair was like the end of the very long hair yeah. thing and uh no drum solo that lasted 20 minutes you know? <laughs> but um apart from that everyone was playing a completely different trip you know like Ted blondie or the romans very different band like Mindeville and uh, the Dead Boys completely different and uh, I think the star crystallized more in England and the look more in New York at first but the sound was very varied and very you know there was no hung punk sound
0: exactly you know yeah exactly like i was born in 73 so i kind of i missed the first wave of of punk and on so to me it was when punk broke in the 90s and it had that that sound very homogenous sound because everybody started to basically sound the same so i i never got into early punk until recently and it's because of bands like the senders where you guys have a sound that's considered punk but it's so different like he said yours is more based in the rockabilly sound in the 50s sound which i love
2: i totally agree with you and i think that already there was a bit of the the seed planted in the way of that this came out around 75 76 bands were very pretentious. There was a lot of, you know, virtuoso stuff going on. Groups like Yes, Emerson, in Palmer, all yeah. that. And so, all those bands, although they had different styles, brought, brought back the three minutes formula, you know, very short, fast uh, songs. And we were more retro in, in that 50s style. Some other bands were more modern, but everybody kept the songs very short and and so that kind of started that old style, you know. Everybody could do it.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. You could you could just pick up a guitar and play. It.
2: You didn't have to be a. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> okay. So
0: we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. I was listening to the retrospective here and something hit me. And I want to ask you this because this is something I've heard for for years and years. I grew up, I was a huge fan of Led Zeppelin. And I've heard for years that they wrote the song Wearing and Tearing as their attempt to write a punk song. And as I was listening to All Killer, No Filler, the song No More Foolin', it hit me that that sounds like the template led zeppelin used to write wearing and tearing it sounds so familiar but it came out obviously you know before wearing and tearing and it's well known that led zeppelin said they wanted they wrote that song to try to to see if they could write a punk song i wonder if that's the song that they heard and used as a template
2: looking at that yeah. yes i think i think the Sanders zuni and free and I, <laughs> I think they did
0: <laughs> I, so you heard it here
2: performance anxiety
0: making that claim so how did <laughs> yes. so johnny thunders the legendary johnny thunders is a part of this album and he for a very short brief time was a Part of the Senders. How did that happen? How did you meet Johnny and get him to play with you guys for a little bit?
2: I've been friends with Johnny Thunder since my days in Boston. I met him in uh, 74 when he was still in the New York Dolls. Okay. We kind of became friends. And uh, then I saw him again in New York. And uh, we were very good friends. And when the Senders began, we had a, a guitar player from Mexico. His name is Jorge, and he quit the band. And uh, in 78, we started looking for a new guitar player. And so for a couple of months, we had no guitar players at all. Wow. So Johnny, who was with the Heartbreakers at the time, offered us to do a bunch of gigs just for fun, to make some money, and uh, where he would be Fender's guitar player. Wow. So we did, it was great, it was so much fun. <laughs> and. Uh, Soon after, we made Bill Thompson, who became our guitar player for the rest of the, he was fabulous. But uh, that's how we ended up doing this, uh, we did what, five gigs with Johnny Thunders, and uh, somebody in the audience paid the show, taped a couple of the shows, and it got back to me years later. Wow. And so that's that recording. That is
0: amazing, such a brief period of time that somebody so noteworthy was in the band and somebody decided to record it. That's just, that's amazing. There's, uh, its it six or seven songs on the, on the album with, with Johnny? Seven songs with Johnny
2: Thunder. I'm so sure glad somebody taped those shows because we had no idea and uh, we didn't think of it. Right. And, and we regretted it but somebody taped it and sent it to me. So that was very That is amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, the
0: If the senders having such little recorded output and there's uh 30 30 something songs on the on the it's a on the two album set
2: was it difficult well, there's 20, 27 song and it also comes as a double CD set yes and there's four bonus song on the CD so there's 31 song on the CD. And when on the vinyl.
0: Okay, okay. So so with the twenty-seven to thirty-one tracks, depending on which format you get, was it difficult to to pare it down to that with, with only three recorded albums?
2: Well yeah, we had a lot of demos. When the record company Left for Dead got in touch with me, they asked me uh, how many songs I could send them and to pick from that. So I started looking at compilations, you know, I put on CDs years ago and sent them 80 songs. And uh, wow, we together worked on picking, you know, selecting the, the one that was going to be on the record. What was we all thought was the best stuff, you know, and um, so that's how it worked.
0: It's a really great mix of stuff. I mean, thank like, you. Some of my favorites, I'll tell you which, which, which one of my favorite. Like, When I Die, I'll Be a Ghost. Great, great song. <clears throat> It's a, a bit of a slower tempo song. I wasn't really expecting that when it popped up. Because Thank you.
2: I, I, I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you.
0: Th- because honestly, going in and listening, it's really my first exposure to the senders. So I wasn't sure what to expect. And uh, it's uh, The Living End is an amazing track. But I think my absolute favorite on the entire compilation is My Shiny Red Dress. Song. That's great, thank you. So, how much of this was, or I mean, I, I don't know if, if you can tell right off the top of your head how much of it is, is stuff from the the seventies, eighties, and how much of it was from the later period?
2: Well, on the vinyl uh, thing, there is a in the sleeve with all the dates of all the recordings, and what we try to do is not go completely in chronological order, but mix the songs so they would follow each other good. So. The first track is from 83, then there's two from 70s, 77, 78, then it jumps right into the 90s, oh. then it goes back a bit. It's all mixed up.
0: I love that. I think that's that's great. It's such a fresh way to hear, the especially for people who may be more familiar with the Senders music than I am. It puts it into a different perspective, maybe, you know, if you, if you hear some different songs back to back from different periods.
2: That's great, and uh I was happy to see that over 25 years we didn't change our sound much. No, we always we stuck to our guns. Yeah. and uh it's always nice the recording is from 78 or 98 you know or uh, it's just good old rock and roll. yeah and I,
0: <laughs> and I love the the slide guitar in on some of the songs that is, oh, oh, I, that's another thing I was not quite expecting because of my what, what I grew up. With punk being, there wasn't a slide guitar in it. So hearing it in the senders, I was like, This is amazing. <laughs> this is not what I expected when I heard of punk rock. Uh,
2: I did uh, play slide guitar great. Yeah, I, mean, I love when he plays the slide, yeah. Great sound. Out of the
0: the tracks of the twenty-seven to thirty-one, depending on your on, on your format, is a lot of it unreleased, or is it uh, is a, a mix? No. So I know, I know that Johnny Thunder's stuff is definitely unreleased, but but um, since he had like three, three, three and a half full-length albums, uh, is there a lot from the albums on there, or, or is it a, yeah. a lot of unreleased stuff?
2: You no, know, just the Johnny Thunder's tracks, the seven tracks with Johnny were never released anywhere before, but everything else was on very obscure album. Two of them just came out in France nowhere else. Uh, oh, wow. It's very hard to find. I mean, you can find copies on these hogs, but it's it's pretty hard to find. But yeah, they were released before. Wow. Even that nobody knew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, one of the things that, that was surprising to me again was the track with Wayne Kramer from the MC5, Empty uh, Empty Heart. Long track too, and again something I wasn't expecting with Punk—a seven over seven minute long song. Seven minutes of it. Yeah, that was really cool. How did that happen? How did you hook up with Wayne Kramer?
2: Well, we've been friends for a long time. In in the late seventies, Jenny Thunders met a band with him called Gang War, and it was Jenny Thunders and Wayne Kramer, and that was their first drummer they asked me to come in and uh, play drums to do demos wow. and uh, that's when i met wayne we stayed good friends and uh this was our very last gig in 2001 at a club called manitobas and uh, wayne just happened to pass by so we invited him up on stage <laughs> and we, we knew the song because we saw the film of MC5 doing it, you know. So we we said, "Hey, when do you want to play, want to play MT Heart in Stones?" said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So we did that. And um, you know, if a song would last seven seven minutes, usually it would bore the hell out of me. But it's so, so great that it, it works. You know, you can play solos for seven minutes, I and mean, it's when Kramer. You know?
0: <laughs> exactly. That was uh, one of the the. the happy surprises for me when i when i pulled up the track listing i was like this is crazy not not only wayne kramer but seven minutes it was just a huge surprise so why release the album now it's you know, the the last recordings were like you said it's it spans 77 to 2001 and it's coming out 2023 what there, so there's a 22 year gap what made you release
2: the music now well i uh if i was an approach to- do it. I wouldn't, you know, look for a, a record company to release it. What happened is that the guy used to book bands at Mexican City, the club in New York, mm-hmm. where we played a lot. His name is Peter Crowley. He produced that seven-song super single that we put out in 1980, it was a seven-song EP, and they were. Uh, he wanted to do a reissue of it because it's impossible to find, and he knew the people at Left for Dead Records. And they started thinking of that idea, to re-release the seven-song super single. That's when I was contacted by Left 4 Dead Records. They asked me if I was okay with it, and also if I wanted to add more songs. I said, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, So that's how it happened, and we started a project about a year ago I'm amazed how much love they put into it and uh, every detail, everything. They they're great people, so I was really happy that Left for Dead, uh, you know, did this project. That's wonderful.
0: Did you have the the live music with Johnny Thunders for a a long time before this came out? Have you been holding on to that, or was that a something you were sent recently?
2: Yeah, rather recently. Okay, just a couple of years. Wow. Some collectors sent it to me and uh, when the, his name is Jim, when Jim at Left for Dead Records talked to me, said, do you have anything that was never released before? And I said, ah, now that you mentioned it, I happened to a cool thing. And so we both thought, wow, that's we gotta put that on the, on the compilation, that's great. That is amazing. Are the
0: tracks that are on there, is that all you have? Or is there a few more? lurking about maybe or is that everything
2: yeah there's a few more because the guy who taped it taped a few shows okay but we did the same songs so there's a few more but there's only those songs so i took the what sounded to me like the best version and uh yeah. used that
0: is everything uh, like remixed and remastered no it was probably taped on a cassette okay so that's that's it, pretty much straight it, from
2: it, the, the audience yeah, uh, and the sound is not so bad. I mean, no, no. not so great, but it's not so bad. And the guy who did the mastering, kind of, you know, brought up some richness into it and more bass and stuff. It sounds he did a nice job, so it sounds okay. It sounds
0: it, it sounds marvelous for, as for c- compared to some of the other bootlegs I have of other bands from that same era. I mean, this the sound is so much better than a lot of the stuff from. The, the late seventies early eighties bootlegs that I've got from bands it's I'm I was I'm really impressed thank you <laughs> so is there um, a social media presence for the band are you guys gonna how, how are you getting the trying to get the word out besides you know my podcast here
2: <laughs> we counting on you all right <laughs> <laughs> I'm in uh, I have a Facebook page. And so I announced the record on this. A lot of friends told friends, and uh, from what I hear, it's doing pretty good. So it's done enough it well. It's a, a, a lot of punk,
0: it's, it's word of mouth, it's DIY kind of stuff, then. So you're still in that punk ethos.
2: Totally. <laughs> and uh, it's a limited edition anyway. There isn't thousands and thousands of them. So. It's a very nice package, too. Sort of a deluxe thing, gatefold cover. Wow. Uh, you know, some of it is a uh, this black vinyl, but it's also purple splattered vinyl. It's a very nice object for collectors, but uh, not made in a huge amount of them. Just a small amount, so. Hopefully we'll sell them all. I hope for left for their
0: Yeah, make them happy. So how can people find it? Where should, where should they go to, to buy a copy?
2: Well, there is a, a, a what you call that a band camp where you can order it. If you look at the senders in Google, uh, band camp. Also, if you look at the Facebook, the senders, there's a public page. With all the info about the record, now to order it and all from left, uh, left for decades.
0: Oh, awesome! I know that we are. Like I said, we were a little bit limited on time, so this is this is kind of a punk show because it's it's a little short and to the point. <laughs> Perfect. So we're doing a, a punk version of the podcast. So did I miss anything? I want. To, I don't normally just go out and ask, that, but is there anything that that uh, you want to get out? Any promotional thing or anything that uh, that I missed that you'd like to to mention at this point? No, I
2: can't. I can't think of anything that you didn't mention. Um, you? No, not really. You see, you the
0: band started in in the mid seventies. You influenced Led Zeppelin, and you can buy it on Bandcamp. That's <laughs> all right. I think we got the important stuff down. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You can buy
0: a track from Led Zeppelin. We <laughs> start to confuse everything. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much oh, for Led Zeppelin in seventy-seven.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> thank you, Mom. I really do appreciate you. your time and, and, and sharing a cup of coffee with me and sharing this awesome album with me because it was it was eye opening for me and I loved it. Well
2: thank you for having me. Oh. You're really piss me off, you're really pissing me off, you really piss me off. i working hours in the end, and I'm back where I was before. Cause every time I pay the rent, I start to pay the rent once more. you really piss me off, you're really pissing me off, you're really piss
1: me off.